Hi, everyone. Welcome to episode 19 of Seeking Witchcraft. This is Ashley, and I'm joined by both Arlie and Sassafras. Say hello. 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 And today we're going to do a special edition After Hours episode. So a couple things. One, I realize this is actually episode 20. <laughs> I'm recording this. Um, I Yeah, this is technically the 20th episode, but one of them was like a sneak peek. So this is technically the 19th, whatever you want to do. Um, the three of us have been enjoying some wine tonight and we just wanted to have like an uncensored after hours kind of shooting the shit type episode. So that's exactly what we're going to do today. We have a list of things that we're going to attempt to cover. We'll see how the episode actually goes. Some of the things we're going to try are going to be magical journaling, craft names, the witch's pyramid, beginner purchases at witchy stores and maybe sigils. We'll see. Also, <laughs> I know we've been drinking some wine, but we just watched that dumbass TikTok video of, of the story time with the vet tech. So if you've seen that one of like, <laughs> <laughs> we just can't stop laughing about that. Uh, it's, it's this TikTok video that's going around on Facebook right now. It's like story time. I'm a vet tech. And one day this lady brought in her little dog who was covered in bugs. Yeah, so we're kind of just still on a laughing fit after that heels with the nipples <laughs> the nipple heels i promise this is part of the video so if you're wondering what the hell i am talking about it's that um but okay say do you guys want to reintroduce yourself for people who might be listening to us for the first time who wants to go first hi everybody i'm sassafras i'm Hold it. okay okay <laughs> i can do that hi i'm sassafras i'm a witch and you can introduce yourself normally. Uh, what do you mean by normally? What, what the hell is a normal introduction when you're... I'm a high priest in the Gardenarian tradition. I'm Ashley's high priest here. Uh, so I have to be careful what I say at all times. And, uh, wow. I mean, what? No. <laughs> so here is, is, is my lovely uh, high priestess. I'll, I'll go ahead and hand it over to her now. Hello. So Ashley has, since the last time I was on here, taught me how to use her phone properly. So hoping my phone, my phone, Christ, my voice will not be in and out. But I'm Arlie. I am Ashley's high priestess. Um, I'm not really sure how else to introduce myself. Um, I know, right? Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm at the point where I'm just like, uh, yeah, so I do witchcraft. And then I have a really cool party hat when I need to do high priestess stuff. And then, yeah, I'm here. So again, guys, as I mentioned, this is totally like an uncensored after hours type episode where we're going to drink some wine and shoot the shit. And we have some incense burning in the background. Arlie and Sassafras are talking about the smoke going in their eyes. They're being little bitches right now. Wow. <laughs> I'm totally kidding. But yeah, I mean, we're going to cover some educational witchcraft topics, but we're really just here to have some fun and hang out with you guys. If, you know, you're listening, kind of like hanging out with some friends. So... Let's see. What should we talk about first? you want to talk about magical journaling? Sure. This is Arlie's topic of interest. So she is all about the magical journaling. So here you go. So whenever I talk about magical journaling, I talk about it in sort of a metaphorical kind of way where if you are a scientist and you are performing experiments, you want to document everything – you can look back on it and you can see what changed, what questions popped up from what you were doing. Um, so in a witchcraft sense, um, in a magical sense. What is magical journaling? So magical journaling is 
If you do any kind of spell or even if you're just doing research on a certain topic, maybe you want to record what things pop out. Say, say you're doing research on tarot and you look up a couple of sources, you read a couple of books. It can range from taking notes from said books and logging your questions that come with it, certain epiphanies that may come to you, certain revelations, sort of ahas, as it were. Um, it's also a a place where you can document your experimental things. So going back to the example of researching the tarot, if you have a fresh tarot deck and you've done some homework and you've done some research and you have your journal in front of you <clears throat> and you've, think, you've thought of things to experiment with your deck and you do your first reading. So you might want to record, okay, so I did my first reading on this day of the week. Um, I personally like recording the moon phase as over time, you will notice certain things about the moon phase. And if you want to go the step further, um, what zodiac sign the moon phase is in, the time of the day can be very important. Some people are better. Some people are more day people and they're more magically active during the day. Some people are night owls like myself. I literally work a whole ass job around night shift. Um, whole ass job, 40 hours a week. Um, yeah, you'll, you'll pick up things about yourself that work, but also in this um, analogy with tarot, you do your first reading and you record the positions, you record the cards that came through. I literally have, God, I have, I have entries of my tarot readings going back to years and looking back and seeing how I interpreted these readings to how I interpret them now has given me so much yeah, insight on how I read and what the tarot means to me. And this can be about anything. If you're if you're researching like the moon phases, if you're researching um, stones, or if you're researching just the the fundamentals and building blocks of spells, when you record and don't allow yourself to be confined by what you think should go into a magical journal, and you just write out your thoughts. You will learn a lot about yourself, and I cannot stress enough how important it is because even tonight, I reference an older journal of mine that I kept from the beginning of my outer court and used it in a conversation that came up with me and uh, Sassafras and Ashley. So yeah, that's, that's my significance on magical journaling. So far. And <clears throat> one of the really cool things about when you record your thoughts your experiences over time this is how you build personal correspondences everybody thinks about like when a pattern plays out or something like that they always think oh well what does this stone represent what does this uh particular sign represent how do i interpret this card or that card for example when you start to see a pattern in a thing it will affect how you view that particular event that particular what have you like if you notice that on fridays when you know when you do your thing whatever it is on a friday if the results seem skewed in a particular direction you're going to think about fridays a little differently you're going to start to digest events on fridays a little differently let's say you start seeing a certain set of numbers everywhere and at all times uh Don't all of a sudden i looked at you <laughs> they're all looking at me right now yep. <laughs> all of a sudden those numbers when they play out it means more than it used Oof. to. I feel personally attacked right now. <laughs> it's not an attack. I've been telling I know, you. I know. But yeah. So recording it over time is the only way that you're going to be able to notice those patterns and not just a feeling of nostalgia or a feeling that, oh, I feel like this has happened before. You, you'll have it documented. You'll know it won't be you having a feeling, which isn't illegitimate. It's just another layer. 
So my last episode talks about having a BOS versus having, um, you know, a grimoire, for example. And I will say there is definitely a difference. So during my BOS uh, episode, I talk a lot about like BOSs are a really good place to log about like a spell that you did and like how exactly you did the spell and maybe make some notes on what happened or things you would tweak or things that you can look back to know to tweak. A magical journal, I think, is a different item. It's something that you can write about your experiences during your journey. So, for example, when I started with my outer court, Arlie asked our group to, hey, start writing about what you did or, like, after every meeting, write about how your meeting went, what you did, what your thoughts were. And it was very significant. And when I you know, was going through my training, I would go back and read older entries and say, wow, like I thought about this or I thought about that or wow, like this has evolved my thought process. So it's really important. It is different from a BOS, but I would ask Arlie, if somebody is just starting out in their training or maybe not even their training, let's just say somebody is just starting out in their witchcraft journey, you know, they've maybe read a book or so, they've joined some online groups, they're not in a coven. What would you suggest like when would you should, should oh my gosh suggest that they should start making a journal or should they make a journal like what what should be the first entry like what should that even be about if you kind of catch what I'm throwing out there so if I'm if I'm picking up what you're putting down all right so I cannot believe I just said that so <laughs> I'll use myself as, as an example because as you were about, as you were talking about your BOS episode I was thinking about when I was listening to it I was like oh my god so this is just a me thing I've I haven't really taken this from anywhere. If someone else uses this same terminology or maybe you you do the same thing but with different names, please hit me up because holy crap. So I have um, three different things when it comes to my writing. So I have a, 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 a just a three-ring binder. It's nothing fancy. It's not pretty. I think I tried to be edgy at one point. I put some Theban on the, on the front of it. Um, but that's where if I'm reading a book and I take notes about what I like in the book, if I'm on a website and I read an article or I find something that I can print out, information that is not mine, like based on other books or websites or if I'm cop – I remember back in the day I used to just read books and just take so many notes about them and put them into this binder. Ultimately, I ended up calling this binder – and roll with me and don't judge me – but I ended up calling this binder um, my book of light. And I'm getting there as to why I call it that. My personal journal, my day-to-day journal that has nothing to do with my magical life, um, my diary, as it were, of my day-to-day life or weekly or monthly because I've gotten pretty bad with writing. But I went to adapt um, that to being called the book of reflection. And then I have a third book, um, which is a little fancy. It's just a little black book that I bought from our local metaphysical shop way back in the day it has like book of shadows you know engraved on it in gold in the front and i as as i stated i call it my book of shadows so why i call these things those names is my book of light is information that is shedding light onto a topic you know it is i just printed out how to do a tarot spread spread. and i have it printed out and i have it put in the binder so i can reference it when i want to actively engage myself in it so once I go to actually do that, 
from something in my book of flight, now that I personally have done it, I then make an entry in my book of shadows, kind of chasing that metaphor where I've done the thing. I have, look, I'm a sucker for metaphors, (laughs) y'all. And I'm just going to roll with this. If you take something, if I took something from my book of light, I acted on it, my actions casted a shadow. It cast a shadow. And so I record that in my book of shadows saying, well, I did this and this is what happened and here's the dates and here's the moon phase and I'll check on this progress, you know, in a week or so and make a new entry. So that's why I use these names. My personal journal being called the book of reflection is just a reflection of my, my daily life. It's like a mirror as it were. I'm just recording what happens. Um, so that being said, if that really helped me because it, all the pressure wasn't put onto one book. A lot of people have hangups about, oh, well, you got this really pretty book from mm-hmm. X website or X witchy store or what, what have you, and they're so afraid of messing it up. If you have these options available to you, like the three-ring binder, you can't really mess up a three-ring binder. I mean, you can, but it's hard to mess up a three-ring binder. Damn. Yeah. <laughs> um, so if that pressure is taken off where even if you have a book of shadows that is nice – you have this kind of workbook to go by and then record your personal stuff into. So a lot of pressure is taken off by associating different means of information. Um, The first thing I think that I ever put into my, I did take, I did take a a section out of my book of light. Um, I had tabs for different topics, like, you know, history of witchcraft, elements, herbs, gems, stuff like that. And I remember in the very beginning of it, before I really assigned a name to these books, I had a section called quote unquote, shadows where i was just journaling on okay well here i am today from my book of flight i'm going to be recording some stuff about herbs that i found out and it was just like a log book and then i transferred it to my book of shadows and whatnot the first thing i think in in your last episode ashley um the list of things you could have in a book of shadows if you make a list out of it you can start making those tabs and now you know where to stick information that you find oh absolutely i mean i had a ridiculously gigantic long list (laughs) like you know things like the wheel of the year i even talked about in my last episode like you can do an entire section on the wheel of the year or you can make it simple and maybe perhaps just print out a picture of the wheel of the year and go from there another thing too i mean it's not unheard of to have multiple book of shadows or you know multiple journals it's definitely a thing it's definitely fine Um, So if you just want to make a very basic BOS or maybe a basic journal and then have another journal where you talk more in depth about what you have, that's an option. Um, From my own personal experience, I'm a lot less uh, structured, a lot less organized with it, Um, which gives me a little bit of latitude because I'm just not all that worried about uh, particular moments of material. But what I do – so throughout my day – my work day, my, you know, days of leisure, I almost always am like jotting down thoughts, ideas, etc. Sometimes I have like a weird moment of poetry or something like that. And so I'll just scribble it down on a little scrap of paper. And then later on, I will tape it into I use little, what are they? They're like eight by six sketchbooks, which don't have any lines in them. You can put lines in them if you want, but I, I don't even worry about it. I just write. Uh, if It doesn't matter to me if it looks great or not. They're kind of like, scribble diaries anyway but i'll just tape this particular like page of you know scrap paper into my little black book (laughs) they just they just they just 
they just toasted something, and I feel like I'm left out. But um, I'm going to finish my thought anyway. Why night? Uh, so <clears throat> Sorry, at this guys. point, I, at, at this point, I'm on like my seventh uh black book. Like they just it fills up with information. Now I do try and make sure that like all the information that I put in there, all the stuff that I put in there, uh, has something to do with you know with magic with. And you're persistent. Weird and interesting things. Right. I've been keeping this thing up for some time. While you fall off from time to time, I've been trying to have dates in there, <clears throat> if only so that I can keep in mind where uh, where, <laughs> where I am in the individual uh, set and book. Falling off is definitely a thing. Um, this kind of goes back to something we talked about in one of the earlier or other episodes too, right? Didn't we talk about like waxing and waning yeah. with your witchy practice? Oh, yeah. So if you can't write in your witchy journal every day, that is fine. I'm here to tell you it is not the end of the world. Believe me, life happens, things happen, and you got to do what you can. Um, so don't feel stressed if you don't write in your witchy journal every day or every week or every month. Believe me, I have plenty of entries where every single day I was writing something and then it went to every couple months I was writing something. It's not unheard of. Do you want to finish your – do you have any – no, that's pretty much it. Okay. Any other closing thoughts, Harley? Mm, no. I mean, it really just comes it really just comes down to not being pressured. I mean, write whenever you feel the need to write, but don't you don't have to do it every day. But the significant things just jot down. However, on the other side of the coin, if you haven't done it, then you're not doing it. Yeah. So, you know. Do it. Do it. Even if you're just writing down like the don't date work. and don't don't feel particularly inspired today. Like that's it. That's still an entry, and you still get to look at it later and say, "Hmm, wow, there's something about August which is off for me." Yeah, yeah, I, I'm shaking my head to that because yes, shaking my head, yes, because <laughs> <laughs> there's definitely a couple entries that I have in my journal when I was first starting out in the Grove or my training group of, "Hey, don't really have much to write about today. Here's a couple bullet points about how my day went, and it might be really insignificant shit like." I saw a, a flower today or like I got a really good deal at lunch today or like I went to Starbucks. Like it can be just really random things. But the point was to also try to get into the habit of actually writing in my journal, which was very useful. And, you know, going back now, I'm very happy that I had those journal entries because it's, it's kind of like a present from the past to my future or present self to be able to read and see like the state of mind that I was in because I will tell you I'm definitely not in the state of mind that I was in when I first started <laughs> as an outer court wee little witchling. I'm I've definitely had a, you know, transgressive experience, you can say. Yeah. Okay. So shall we move on to the next topic? By the way, for anybody listening to this, um, this will obviously be posted, but this episode's gonna be longer than 30 minutes it's a special edition again uncensored we're all having shit with wine exactly (laughs) we're all having some wine we're just kind of shooting the shit just also i so panda made contact with my my cat yes her cat made contact with my finger as she was talking so now this officially features her cat (laughs) panda's a good cat okay guys what do you want to talk about next so we have craft names which is pyramid beginner purchases the witchy stores Wait. Craft names again. <laughs> so let's do craft names. Okay. okay. So craft names. What are craft names and how do you get your craft name? 
All right, guys. So no shocker here. Arlie and Sassafras are not my real... Not my real name. Yeah. <laughs> not the actual legal names of my HP and HPS. Um, just as I have talked about in a previous episode, Ashley is my real name, <laughs> but it's not my craft name. And I'm not going to share my craft name on this podcast for a variety of reasons. Um, nothing against you guys or anything like that. It's just a name that I like using specifically within a circle context. I don't like saying it outside of circle. So let's back up a little bit here. What is a craft name and how do you find it? Guys, I cannot tell you the amount of posts I have seen on Facebook about people asking, how'd you find your craft name? Like, where'd you get your craft name? Do you need a craft name? Okay. <laughs> um, before I go on my tyrant, is there anything you guys want to say first about craft names? They're not necessary. I mean, they're, they're not necessary, but they can work. And I'll get into why they work, but they're not necessary. Don't, don't feel pressured to get a craft name. And the original purpose of having a craft name, craft name kind craft, of comes from lame. having that is, or rather was. So at as things stand now, a person can be a celebrity witch. A person can have that be out. They can be known that you are involved in that sort of thing. And so <clears throat> as a result of that, Nowadays, it's not the same stress that it was in, say, the 50s, 60s, 70s. It's not, it doesn't have to be secret. You don't have to – in those days, if that was the case, you're going to lose something. Like you are – you're going to be living that life full time. Sure, yeah. So actually, this was in one of Gerald Gardner's books. Uh, Sassafras, you might know which one. I want to say it was in Witchcraft Today. Arlie, you might know too, where people had craft names back in the day. Um, and if it's not in witchcraft today, it'd be in the meaning of witchcraft. But I want to say witchcraft today. People had craft names. So, you know, back in the olden days when people would come knocking, looking for people who are witches to essentially hang them. Um, <laughs> if people were to accuse somebody of witchcraft, they would only know their witch name. They wouldn't know their actual name. So, for example, say somebody went to a sabbat. And they went to a celebration and there was a bunch of witches there. But then say one of the witches pissed them off. <laughs> like, I don't know. They stole their goat or some shit. As witches do. As witches do. They stole their goat. And for, for reasons. For reasons. And they would go to the police or whatever and be like, look, I don't know. Sapphire moon shadows <laughs> stole my goat. Um, because that's how they knew the person from the Sabbaths. And that's how they knew them in the force. They didn't know their actual name. So the police would be like, who the hell is Sapphire Moonshadow? They'd be like, uh, it's that person over there. They'd be like, well, if you don't even know their real name, how are you going to say they were at a Sabbath? How are you going to say they stole your goat? You know, there was there would be all these acquisitions. Or then they wouldn't have any actual proof because they didn't actually know the person's name, which back in the day was a big thing. So that's one of the ways that craft names became popular it was to help prevent people from getting accused of witchcraft exactly <laughs> uh so well what what goes into a craft name what makes you feel a, a particular lot of fucking thought a particular i don't know i don't know uh I didn't really have to do a whole lot of thought for mine. Well, lucky. you were lucky. I knew I knew <laughs> that 
I knew what I didn't want. And so yeah. that made it a lot easier for me. I knew that I didn't want to choose. Um, a lot of people choose deity names. A lot of people choose um, various mythological characters. Uh, they you can choose. I chose a tree. At one point it was in vogue. Um, and sometimes it is uh, where people will have a tree name, you know, like Willow or something like that. You'll I see these names still. River too, not just the exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Mike's. Oh well. Right. Anyway. So th- anyway, my particular you know, sassafras means a lot of things. It was, it, you know, I know a lot of lore about the plant. It grows all over the place, and it's awesome because you can just pull a tiny little sapling out of the ground and chew on it. And yes, I'm a human, so I'm going to despoil the environment by by eating a tree. But um, yeah. So your your craft name. So it's interesting because you know, as we previously said, the historical thing would be you tell other witches your craft name. You don't tell them that your name is Richard Stevenson and you sell used cars. You don't say that. Instead, you tell people your craft name, and so the other witches only know you by your craft name. And so they only know you by your craft name, and so they can only identify you as you know, Raven Moon Moon. Sorry, the cats are fighting and we're all kind of looking at the distance. <laughs> Demons. So I'll tell you guys for my craft name, I toyed around for a very long time of what it was. And I'll be honest with you, I wasn't sure if I was completely fine with my craft name. I didn't know if it was what I wanted to be referred to. I was like, I don't know. Like, it's a kind of a cool name, but do I want to be stuck with this forever or quote unquote forever? I guess I should say. And I had an experience where somebody referred to me in a witchy setting without my craft name. And in that moment, I was like, how could you not call me my craft name? (laughs) And it was a very eye-opening experience because I'd been referring to myself as this craft name for a while, but I wasn't really sure how I felt about it, which I think is a common thing when people are choosing a craft name because sometimes it can feel weird to choose a name that is not your own legal name. But after using my name that I was iffy with for a long period of time and then having somebody refer to me as something different in a witchy setting, I was like, oh, no, I really like that name. Don't call me something else. (laughs) It was a very eye-opening experience because I didn't realize that I became attached to that name and I did actually have an identity with the name until I was called a different name. And something in what you said just made me – before – you got on saying that it, it made me think of you know you have most people have an affectionate turn of their their fur their, their full first name blah, 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 words um and you know in certain environments you have your close friends who know you by a certain nickname you might have an acquaintance or a coworker that calls you your full name your full first name without the affectionate term and then you have those moments where and it may not have happened like this for everybody, but for most people, at least most people that I know it did, when your parents, especially as a kid, busted out your full legals, when they called you by your first, middle, and last name, you knew it was serious shit going on. You know? Like, to this day, 
you know, if someone busts out my entire full name, which thankfully is only done by my one best friend in very rare circumstances, it completely draws my attention on them. And I, I will stop everything and snap my neck and look over at them like, oh my God, like, what do you want? You know, and I think that kind of segues into what I'm about to say about craft names where, and th- this also kind of boils into um like craft identity and magical identity and the the witchy mindset which has been talked about um on prior episodes yeah (laughs) she's just in the kitchen just yelling um but yeah I, i definitely think that switching from your mundane life and going into your magical self is one of the most powerful tools in your pocket when it comes to all of this it is absolutely necessary. And if you can do this without the, without the need to have a different attire or lack of attire or a name or an environment, then more power to you because that's more than I can do. But I will say that it's a very powerful tool to possess to have those triggers. Like, for instance, there are – this is not the only reason why magical slash ritual slash etc. robes are used – but why robes are why robes are used? Why names are used? Why? Why would you use a robe? <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. So it's yeah, and so, and switching from you know when I go to work and I have my coworkers and my customers call me by one name, I need to disconnect from that when I step into the circle, you know, in this liminal space between the worlds and of this divine environment i need a different identity because it it calls upon that aspect and i'm not saying that you need a craft name to experience that if you can get something else to trigger that response in yourself again like a certain incense or maybe you have some certain maybe you have certain music that gets you in that mood whatever helps you transcend and become something other than your day-to-day person that is in connection with the gods or if you don't you know worship the gods or have a relationship with the gods something that gets you into that working mode of being a witch or a magical practitioner or what have you that's still very important to have and that's where the craft names it's one of the easiest and most accessible tools to have for this this transition another aspect of that or rather another aspect of these names is Names are powerful. Names possess power. Uh, in Imagine if you were to do a... Let's say that you have an acquaintance or a close friend or a co-worker or what have you. Someone who needs some bit of work done for them. Well, the whole time you're doing that work, you're going to be focusing and thinking of their name. You're going to be using their name in a sympathetic, uh, magical context where, let's say, you have a, you know, you're you're gonna you could write down their name and then do something involving that. Um, you could, I mean, the power of names is inherent in that, and we see it all play out in all kinds of ways. So, in in a few ways, having a craft name actually shields you from that a little bit, because while your craft name was something that you chose and it's affiliated with you and it's known, you know, the gods know you by that name, what have you, it is... What if you don't believe in the gods, if you're not Wiccan? Well, I would say more than Wiccans believe in the gods, but if you are... I don't know, I don't know. It, It gets a little tricky. If you are an agnostic witch... 
if you if you do magic at all, you are acknowledging that there are powers beyond yourself, beyond mm-hmm. humankind. There are spirits. There are all kinds of entities. I don't know. I would say that if you're invoking powers, then we're not necessarily talking about intelligent forces. Anyway, we're, I'm getting completely sidetracked by this. Uh, but spirit, spirits have names. And knowing the names of spirits is significant. See, this is interesting. Um, Mike. This is interesting because I don't... Th- we've, you and I have talked about a lot. I don't think we've talked about this. I definitely think that you can perform magic and not believe in divinity. I think you can absolutely rely I'm on personal power. Not necessarily saying divinity. Let's say that you have access to the, some of the mechanics of reality. What does that mean? Yeah. Well... Frankly, if you're going to be doing magic, that's what we're talking about. You have a key in on... You have the ability to perhaps influence events in a manner which is not linear to your direct action. You can take an action which causes a change and... Only if you catch these magic hands. Girl. Uh, Look, it's wine night. We can't be 100% serious. I'm just trying to cover my bases here. <laughs> anyway, right. So, I mean, if you, if you are someone who doesn't necessarily... Uh, everyone, in order to do this thing, you have to have a theory of magic. You have to have a theory of reality. And you're, you're going to run on your theory. If my theory involves elements that aren't in your theory, that doesn't invalidate you and it doesn't invalidate me. You do your thing. You get things how you get them. It's very possible that you and I believe in the same things but call them different words. Mm. Yep. It's Christianity. Big one. Big one. Christianity, big one, big one. That leads me into another topic that I actually didn't have planned for this episode, but a topic I did plan to talk about. What's the difference between us versus them in the course of Christianity, for example versus witchcraft or wicca this is a heavy ass topic Ooh, this is a hell of a topic to do for a uncensored special edition need some more wine i know i i I had said that there has been too much wine involved to go into that and now that you have planted the seed now the high priest is looking for more wine what have you done (laughs) listen i'm just continuing the conversation that we have organically started No, actually, I have a story about that. So, um, well, no, if we're talking about, you know, a rose by any other name, and some pagans may see this, if you're a pagan out here listening to this, and your first thoughts go to soft polytheism, bookmark that. Anyway, but I have, so I have, in regard, so I was raised Episcopalian, right, um, until I was 11, and I have a story about this, because I had... I had already been um, practicing witchcraft. Um, God, how old was I for this? I was, I don't know, 17, 16, 17. Long story short, I had gone to a, um, a lock, a lock up, a lockdown. I don't know. It's it, my friend went to um, her, a lock in. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks guys. Um, I went to a lock in with a friend. I, it's not, yeah, it's not a church that I went to, but my friend wanted someone to accompany her. Anyway. So I, I joined her for this and, I remember, I'll never forget, I was, I was standing in one of the rec rooms and there was a video on about some Christian thing. And I can't remember the context, unfortunately, but I remember standing there and watching it and thinking to myself, I'm like, you know, what I believe in 
Christ. I feel like by saying this, a lot of people... Oh, no pun intended. Son of a bitch. Um... Uh, it, it's going to be very, I've got to choose my words very carefully because I feel like a lot of people in this moment are like, hold on, what? But I've had several experiences with Christians where Christians who, um, the Christianity based on love. Okay. That, that is, that is true Christianity as I see it. It's based on love. Um, and I remember I, I, I was in this, in this environment and I was watching this thing and I was having these thoughts about how it all comes back to love. And this, this woman, one of the, um, I don't fucking know, uh, one, one, of the, one of the caretakers, one of those chaperones or whatever, came up to me and, and here I am in my, in my phase and I had this like long trench coat on, I had this pinnacle and I was in my phase, right? Trench coat? I had a, yep, a long trip, a long trip trench coat. Yeah, girl, I didn't play. We can no longer be friends. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm sorry. But uh, she comes up to me and she said something. She saw how invested I was in this video. And she made some comments about God. And I wasn't about Jeez. to. Uh, yeah, I wasn't about to lay on my shit like, oh, well, you can't talk to me about that because I'm not in the same religion. I, even then, I'm like, look, I think that people who are true in faith and true in a religion or a spirituality based on love can at least at the very least find common ground. So I tested this theory and I explained to her what I found in my practice and the beautiful things that I found in my beliefs and my spirituality. And I didn't use any specific words. I didn't use any specific wording and I laid this on her and she agreed She's like, yeah, no, absolutely. That's the same thing that I find. And she's, you know, assuming that I'm coming from a, a Christian standpoint. So it was very interesting to describe an experience that to her was purely Christian. And to me, it was purely spiritual slash whatever the hell I found myself in that point in my life. So it's, yeah, I think people can find some common ground and get incredibly lost behind trying to give it a term. Hey, guys. So uh, as you... No, I was raised very Catholic. Um, I don't know if it's because I was younger when I was essentially forced to go to church or maybe I just blocked, blocked it out of my memory or like what it was. But I don't remember a ton of what we talked about during church. Um, I remember the logistics of everything. But I will say, you know... In Wicca and witchcraft, there's a lot of central elements that come to play. There's an altar, there's consecrated water, there's incense, there's a there's wine, there's um some sort of blessed food, there's a there's yep, there is a prayer to the gods. Um so I'm just gonna talk about Wicca right now. If you wanna just think about witchcraft, we could take out the aspect of the gods. But I don't necessarily see a difference between the holy water when you walk into a church versus the water that we consecrate on the altar or the altar that we have in a Wiccan or witchcraft circle versus the altar that's at a Catholic church or the cake that we bless during circle versus the Eucharist or the body of Christ that's drank. Um, you know, I, I see a lot of similarities between the two. And I think about this actually quite often, to be honest with you, because my family is very, very Catholic. And there's times where I will do some witchcraft <laughs> about something happening. 
and say it comes true and I will talk to my mom because maybe she knows like I want x y and z to happen and she'll say oh I was praying to Jesus for you or like I was praying to God for you and I'll be like okay thanks mom thanks but like meanwhile I did a spell about it or I did something to try to influence the universe to be in my favor which is essentially a spell um and it kind of comes down to well what's the difference between the two of these things? What's the difference between my mom praying to Jesus or me doing a physical action to try to send my energy out to the universe to tip the scales in my favor, as you will, which is what a spell is. I personally don't see a huge difference between the two. And everybody is going to have differing opinions on this. There's no right or wrong answer because we're not going to know the answer in this life, you know, as it will. But I don't see a difference between the incense they burn in between the pews, the incense I burn on my candle, or the consecrated water that I have on my altar, the cons- or the holy water they have when you walk into the church, or the intense praying. I mean, if you get a group of people together to do a prayer circle and they are intensely praying versus like a spell that I am doing, or maybe like I'm doing with my coven, the energy that is felt is very very, very similar to me. And who's to say that it's different? And this, this is a very long (laughs) thing that goes back to something that I wrote when I was in my outer court of ultimately, what's the difference of the energy that we're working with? That's a whole nother topic for another time. (laughs) Because this is already I can tell going to be its own thing. Energy work is its own thing. Exactly. That's, yeah. a, that's a whole other topic for another time. Um, maybe not today because this is already going to be a long episode. But um, I don't necessarily see a difference. I, I think we all have different ways to explain divinity and we all have different ways to explain that the energy that we work with. And I think that we view the energy differently. So I think those that are Catholics, for example, and I'm just going to use that because that's my experience see energy through Jesus and see praying as their way, you know, praying to God as their way to make energy happen. But witches use that energy and send it towards the universe or maybe send it towards the gods that they focus on if they're Wiccan. And, you know, it comes back to what you personally believe. Right. No, (laughs) no, I... Dramatic pause. (laughs) Dramatic pause. Not exactly. It's... I think one difference that you can point out in a variety of different ways, and and this applies to um, witchcraft, you know, writ large as well, is often you have someone who acts as an intercessor between the person with the desire and the forces of the cosmos. So, for example, you have, you take, you are directed in your worship by a priest, or you are, I mean, actually, in, in its own way, you could probably say that the use of a, a patron saint, uh, the Virgin Mary, what have you, could also seem to serve as like an intercessor in between there, if your beliefs go in that direction. Or if you go to someone who is very knowledgeable about, say, witchcraft, and you believe in it yourself, and you really want a spell to go well, and you ask them to do a spell on your behalf. It's one of those things. Um, do you believe your priests or do you believe your local witches? Well, it it isn't it. I would say that people who use intercessors and intermediates, if they believe that someone else is is more plugged in than they are, and they go through that route, that's a little different than if you decide to 
uh, wipe the Cheetos dust off of your hands and interact with all of these things yourself. Um, and so perhaps that's a little bit of a difference, but a person could perhaps have the, the perspective that private prayer at home is really not a whole lot different. But I don't know. I don't know. It, I don't think spells are prayers. Yeah. I think that prayers can be a part of what you do. Absolutely. Um, and then you start to think about other, I mean, it, it gets into other elements. If you are a witch, you know, if you're not a Wiccan and worship isn't a part of it, do you have an altar? Are you using an altar? What, where does that go? Does that lead you in a direction? It, I mean, it, it may not have a conclusion or your understanding of an altar may be fundamentally different. I'm not trying to call anybody out on this, but, uh, all right, hold on. <laughs> Just a quick comment. I mean, that goes into another layer. This is, this is witchcraft and Wicca, especially are very, they can be very deep layers. Oh, so can you tell me what in your view is the difference between a prayer and a spell? I would say that in a lot of cases, a prayer is, it possesses an element of something that goes into a spell, but a spell goes a little further, a little further in a particular direction. So for example, when you have a prayer, you have an intense desire, you have a manifestation of your will. You desire a particular thing or you desire a particular outcome. You want grandma to beat cancer. You want your car to last another year. You want... A variety of things. Yeah, you want you know, you know you want another puppy for Christmas. Um, well, it's one thing to kind of wish. You can wish in one hand. No, I'm not going to say that. In any case, no, you can wish in one hand. You can shit in the other and see which one gets filled first. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. So if if you are, if you have an intense desire like that, witchcraft goes a little further and poles in a particular direction you you are going to now do a somatic action which is it is focused utterly on your will and your desire but you're also utilizing a number of elements in the expression of that all the various things on the altar for example come into use all the various elements go together because you're trying to and you have to alter your mindset to make it work you can't just you know go do it and throw it, you know, three sheets to the wind. No, you kind of have to be focused on it or re- or at least trying to do that. And I think that's something that actually throws a lot of beginners off, which of course is the audience of this, which is how do you know exactly what to do for your spell work? How do you know, for example, having this essential oil or this rose quartz or performing an X, Y, and Z is going to perform your outcome versus, hey, let me pray to Jesus. How do you know? So, okay, so so a couple of things. Um, circling back. Circling? To, to, hey. <laughs> um, you know, going back to the... the Deusil, we return to... Wow. <laughs> okay, so side note really quick, um, still relevant, I... What's really interesting is my mom claims that she prays for me all the time, and every now and then, it is completely unprovoked. She wears a completely different scent than what I like, and every now and then, I don't see her too often, so it's not like her perfume is on my stuff, but every now and then, I will smell her. And I've ta- it, it got to a point where I it was so often, and I'm like, girl, what's up with this? 
You know, I was just like, mom, what's going on? And she's like, oh, I don't know. Maybe, maybe you smell me praying. It's, it sounds really weird to say, but it's like, maybe you smell me praying about you. And I'm like, oh shit. So that leads into, um, other stuff. So going back to spell work versus prayer. So I've thought about this a lot because you have a lot of people coming to you and you have a lot of these like, you know, edge Lord folk saying, well, okay, Christian. So what's the difference between a spell and a prayer? Well, your immediate response would like to say that there is no difference, but for those who are paying attention, that's not enough for you. So a prayer is literally giving giving up your will it is surrendering your will to a higher power and expecting them to deliver based on the faith that you pay them in so your faith is a payment in them fulfilling your prayers um it's not a bad thing but it's again i was i was once christian and i i i did pray as a kid um i have a whole ass story about the strongest time i ever prayed and my shit came true um Anyway, so spell work, however, I can say, and this is not, it might be biased because I don't know if you all have noticed, but I'm kind of a witch. So I'm not, but I'm not biased in a sense where I think mine is better, but in my opinion, um, spell work is more, you do the work yourself. You retain that personal responsibility because you are going out of your way to do your homework and to do all the things that need to be done to understand what makes a spell successful and you're going out of your way to do it. And this actually leads into another topic we have on the list for the witch's pyramid, which we'll get to, but my personal difference between a prayer and spell work is the spell work is you are assuming most, if not all, depending on your religious beliefs, all responsibility of the outcome. It is purely based on the work that you put into it. If you are like like us, you know, if you're if you're a Wiccan and you do have a religion because gods are involved and there is worshipped on these deities, you know, yeah, they definitely play a part. You you and you, but you also are doing the work to make sure that your gods are present. You know, there are certain things that we do in ritual that calls on them. You know, we go out of our way and we do the work. And that, you know, kind of goes side side by side by why certain times you say a spell is a working or magic is a working. You're doing fucking work for it. Like, you're not just sitting there and giving it up and expecting something. Yeah. <laughs> Arlie is making a very good point. I actually said something to her and Sassafras. Yeah. A couple- oh, shit, yeah. Yep. Oh, shit. Oh, my God. It, came to- it just came full circle. Sorry, I'm excited. <laughs> full circle, you say. Fuck. um yeah so actually gosh what was it about a week or two ago not Not even even. not even two weeks ago i was telling them that i had this spell in mind that i wanted to do and when i planned out the spell i thought to myself oh man like it's gonna take a lot of energy that's gonna take a lot of stamina like it's gonna be a whole last thing and then i just you know, I'm in the middle of like thinking in my mind of like, oh, this is going to be so much, blah, 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 like being emo and like, oh, I don't feel like doing it. I have this voice come out of goddamn nowhere, just fucking, you know, destroy me (laughs) and just be like, that's why it's called a working. And I was like, oh, (laughs) I was just like, "Oh, oh, shit. Okay. You're right, fam. Um, 
But yes, that's why it's called a working because it takes time. It takes energy. It takes stamina. It's not a quick thing. It's a thing that you have to put your energy into it. And sometimes you don't want to do it. And and I'm not saying because I've put a lot of emphasis, because I'm a witch, I I mean, obviously, this is is a witchcraft podcast. So (laughs) we're going to put focus on that. Right. You know, I... That's not me saying that prayer doesn't work. That's not me saying that there are people, you, you know, there are definitely people who may pray before an idol. They might, they might pray before a candle or they might pray with a rosary. They might bring in other elements into their prayer, which is very similar to spell work. You know, we bring in elements like candle. yeah, a seven-day candle. We bring in, we cast a whole-ass circle or very simply, we have our altars and we might go to it and say, hey, yo, you know, God and goddess, what up? So here's my thing, blah. You know, it, it. You know, it's. I'm not saying that people who pray are doing light work stuff. I definitely think people who pray are doing work. And that's not to say that there has been times I've gone to my own personal altar and the subject of a spell, I've just prayed to the gods yeah. of like, hey, can you help me out, fam? Absol- absolutely the same. I li- on my personal altar right now, I have a candle that my friend gave me, um... If you listen to this, you know who you are, because I was supposed to light for seven days, and I went on vacation, and I couldn't. Huh. But anyway, I've been trying to, you know, at least light that candle every day for an hour to continue on. He did it working for me, and I don't know what it is. He wouldn't tell me, because I respect that, which goes also into the Witch's Pyramid, which we'll get into. But yeah, no, I've definitely just gone to my altar and just lit one of the candles. I'm like, you know what? I got nothing for what I'm going to do for spell work, but I just need to talk to y'all. Or I need to just kind of you know, check in with my higher self, or maybe I just need to meditate. You know, it, it, it's, it's the same thing, but in different varieties and different levels and different severities. And I'm not, again, I'm not saying that those who pray are doing anything less than what we're doing. We're just more animated about it. Also not to, not to say, okay, so prayer often has a focus. Sometimes that focus is entirely devotional. Um, I think it's always unfortunate, regardless of whether it's witchcraft or if it's anything, you know, um, any, any, any religion that involves prayer, anything that involves a level of devotion like this. I often think it is a shame that sometimes you see folks using the gods as if they were a genie in a bottle and yeah. saying, yes. bring me, bring me, you know, bring me wealth, bring me love, bring me luck. Like, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me. Right, right. <laughs> I think in witchcraft, there's a little bit of an equivalent exchange principle in effect. Um, you know, what, what is the value of a human soul? No, no, no. Uh, and so th- there is a bit. And uh, the idea that you are giving of your devotion to the gods in return for, oh, no, absolutely. A person, at least I myself, have been like, look, sometimes something good happens and it feels like I need to balance the scales by doing something for the gods. Sometimes it's one of those things where it's like I feel like I need to do something for the gods to make things better in the future in a way that I won't anticipate. Not necessarily like in a direct action, but yeah, it's it's complicated. It's tricky, and there there isn't always going to be an easy metaphysical answer for this. A lot of this is you got to feel it out. You got to see how it resonates and feels to you. Um, a lot of people have a very very devoted i mean you know they're all about devotion they do things for the gods that's their relationship with 
witchcraft with this sort of thing. And it's kind of tricky because where does where is the line crossed between prayer and magic? I do think that there are some significant dif- differences. I think it's a little hard to elucidate in a straightforward or quick fashion. Um, so that's, that's, that's the world, I suppose. Uh, okay, cool. So we're going to talk about the Witch's Pyramid momentarily, but I kind of want to jump topics real quick and talk about just some more beginner things because we've been kind of going deep in the layer <laughs> of Wiccan witchcraft, as you will. Yeah, it it, uh, it gets pretty deep, um, unfortunately. Not unfortunately, you know, the more that you learn, the more you realize there's a lot more to consider. So let's talk about something a little bit more basic, as you will. Let's jump to the topic of if you are a brand new beginner and let's say you're going to a witchy store or buying something online or visiting your first ever witch shop ever. Spelled <laughs> with an extra P and an E. Shoppy. Oh my God, witch shoppy. Wow. Yes. What are some things that you should consider buying when you're at this witch shop? Well, first off, obviously that's going to depend on what the store actually sells. But let's just start with some things that we think are essential to a beginner. So for myself, I think a lot of things with witchcraft you can possibly find in your own kitchen cabinet. You can find spices, you can find salt, you can get water out of your sink. And when it comes down to it, you don't necessarily need tools. They're not an absolute requirement, but it helps. <laughs> it's not a bad thing to have. Just like if you were to cast a circle, it's not a bad thing to have a glass of wine here. It's not a bad thing to have some incense burning. They're supplementary to what you're doing. So if you are going to a witchy shop, if your witchy shop happens to offer this, I would absolutely recommend buying an athame. And as I've mentioned during my tools and terms episode, an athame, which is pronounced many different ways. You could say athame, athame, however the hell you want to say it. I say athame because that's how it was taught to me. <laughs> um, Sassafras says it a different way sometimes. He is not the one who told me how to say that for the record. <laughs> um, Although... Although I do encourage her not to pronounce it how I do, uh, I I watched a particular document. It's a British documentary that I watched, and the way in which they pronounce it was a thamey, and so it's been stuck. I can't lose. I can't lose it. It's funny when I talk about it from the context of someone other than me. I'll often say it um, anathema. Uh. You know, I'll say it in a different way. What's wrong with anathema? What's wrong with that? I just cringe. All right, you say yours. Athame. Okay, I see. I get it. I have had other witches, though, ask me, like, or say to me, like, oh, why do you say it so weird? And I'm just like, how the hell do you say it then? And the, we've sent, like, messages back and forth of how we say athame or athame or... It's fun. I mean, let's let's admit it. There's a little bit of, like, enjoyment to be found in all of the nitpicking, all of these little tiny details that kind of go into it. You know, like... I, I think it's fun that I'm kind of stuck in this pronunciation and I can't quite lo- can't quite lose it, but I'll try and say it to other people in the fashion that they that they speak. But to get back to the point of why you would buy a a thamey, go right ahead. I was just going to add one more thing. I I've actually had another witch <laughs> make fun of me and tell me that I sound bougie by saying a thamey. He was like. 
why do you say athame? It's athame. And I was like, no, it's pronounced athame. Like, don't say it like that. <laughs> so as Sassafras was saying, it is kind of fun. It is kind of a joke and interesting to see how people pronounce the word. If you're wondering what the hell we are talking about, we are talking about a double-edged dagger. <laughs> Yes, it is pretty much a knife, and it's used for ritual. It's not used to cut things. It's not used to stab things. It's not used to kill things. Not used for bloodletting. Nothing like that. It's used to direct energy. I think it's a very important tool to have in witchcraft, and I will be the first person to tell you that, listen, guys, I watched that MTV True Life, I'm a fucking vampire, whatever episode, and, like, the girl in that episode like the beginning of the true life episode she had an thome she was doing a photo shoot with it i wasn't super into witchcraft like that and i saw her with this thome and i was like that's really lame like this girl's just posing with a knife and blah 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 like what's the point of that and then during my outer court in the very beginning they were like hey guys you got to get an thome and i was like why do i have to get a knife but okay i'm not going to question what they're having us do because you know i'm learning and i'm in this training grove whatever so i went out and i bought an thome and we used it for a little bit of time. I remember, I think I even actually wrote in my journal about this of like, I, I don't know, I'm waving this knife in the air. I don't really get like why I'm doing this, blah, blah, blah. And then one day I thought I lost my athame. <laughs> I remember thinking to myself like, oh, oh no, I really like that little dude. Like, and, you know, in my mind, I caught him a little dude. And I was like, where did he go? And that was kind of when I realized like, oh, no, no, I like practicing with my thame. I like using my thame to, you know, divert energy into certain ways. And it kind of goes back to the whole thing with the names of, I was in a witchcraft setting where I thought that, or my name, my actual name, Ashley was said instead of my craft name. And it was in that moment that I was like, oh, I really like my craft name. I don't really like when people say my actual name in witchcraft. So yeah, it kind of went back to that with the athame story. So yeah. <laughs> so I think if you can get an athame at a witchcraft store, for example, as a new tool to get, I think it's a useful one to have. Um, Sassafras, I don't know if you have <laughs> different opinions on things beginners should get from stores or anything. What are you what are you thinking about this whole topic? <sighs> Purchasing I mean, witchy stores are really interesting and neat places. Uh they have a variety of things that are available and, and it's gonna vary based on different stores. Uh the closest one for at least for the, the closest witchy shop for us, at least for me, um, where I live, closest to where I live, has a very wide variety of herbs. Uh, which is wonderful because I, you know, that's a that's an interest of mine. I make tinctures. I do all kinds of things with with it. It's it's teas, all sorts of things. I also use them, you know, with a medical purpose. Things that help with uh, can clear up congestion, or things that will help deal with a sore throat or a cough, or um, various things to take when you have a fever or something like that. You get all kinds of wonderful things with herbs, but. That was an interest that I developed. You know, it takes time. If I would start off with herbs, if I would start off with various crystals as a place to start, I, I don't think I would. I would instead chase down those interests and develop them, and then once they had been developed, I would go with that. But, 
you know, for me, the most important thing to do is to, to just get, hmm, without getting and jumping off into a whole other topic, uh, I think that, think about the most basic, most simple things that you want to use. If you are really thinking and saying to yourself, I need a wand, I'm going to need a wand, I should probably buy a wand. If you are thinking to yourself, I absolutely must have a good brazier. I need a thing. I need something I can burn my incense in. I need good incense. I need, sure, if you have a need or a desire, something that you think you require to get started, go ahead and get that. Feel it out. See where it leads you. Uh, maybe you don't like this particular incense or that particular incense. You, you will eventually find your way. And, and that your intuition, if there's going, if there's anywhere where intuition matters, it's witchcraft. Like if, if there's going to be somewhere that it matters in this world, (laughs) witchcraft is home. That's your insight. Your intuition is vital. It's important. So, so I would say, trust that you don't need to buy the biggest statue of, you know, Baphomet. You do you do need to buy the biggest statue of Baphomet, but yeah, you don't daddy. You don't need to buy a Titanic right, statue so of a god. You don't need to do any of that necessarily, but on the other hand, it is good and important to support these little businesses if you want them to be around. Uh they do ultimately need to, you know, pay the power bill. So but anyway, trust your intuition, buy what calls to you. Uh, so that you can get started. If you're getting started, then get what you need to get started. I'll say too, my Athame, when I bought it, I actually didn't get it from a standard witchy shop. I got it from a shop that was selling like armor and shit. And you know, the, the really funny thing about this place that I got it from is I went one time with my Grove sister to this shop and every single time to this day, I try to go back to the shop, it's closed every time so it was kind of like it was meant to be <laughs> when i got my athame um so yeah y- you don't necessarily have to go to witchy shop i would also recommend checking out antique shops um so one thing that we talk about or that i talked about in my tools and terms episode is consecrations <laughs> so i think arlie's haunted by this topic right now just to let you guys know because i am very transparent in this episode if this episode had a weird moment in it it's because arlie sassafras and i talked for about two and a half hours and like the last hour and a half just did not record and we were just talking and talking (laughs) and talking and did not realize that it stopped recording so i'm kind of picking up where we left off we're all a little tired and we're all just kind of like oh my gosh we talked for so long so consecrations was the thing that arlie talked about for a long time before my podcast was like, no, 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 you're done recording. So <laughs> I, she might just want to give a Cliff Notes version. So if you're buying an athame, for example, let's say you go to a witchy shop. doesn't have to be an athame. It could be a bundle of sage, let's say. Um, or it can be some incense or it can a be a, oh, a new wand. Exactly. Or whatever the hell somebody else might have on an altar. As a beginner, I get a lot of questions of, you know, okay, I understand consecration. I understand like, you know, you got to cleanse something and make it new. But I get a lot of people asking me, what exactly do you do? I mean, do you just 
stand, let's say, one of the thame or a bundle of sage? Like, do you just stand with it in your hand and be like, I cleanse this by the power of Jesus? <laughs> like, like, how exactly do you cleanse this? Or bring it up at all kinds of places. You know, I think a lot of people kind of want like a step by step step. Oh my God, Jesus! A step by step instruction of like what they should be thinking or what they should be feeling. Or it, it's complicated, especially when you're a beginner. So, Arlie, could you? shine some light onto some beginners of what they could be doing or thinking when they're getting this new witchcraft tool per se, and they want to consecrate it. Let's see this again. All right. So, well, again for us. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, Hey, I mean, everything happens for a reason. I'm a firm believer in that. Cause I'm, I'm new age as fuck, but, um, y'all don't understand. We talked for a long time. Before realizing the podcast stopped recording us. Y'all have no idea. <laughs> anyway, um, but that's okay. I mean, it, it may, maybe there's a reason why it happened and made me refine my definitions of such. So here we go. So going to explain what consecration is and how to consecrate something. So um, <clears throat> I will reference um there's an, a, a really good pagan author um a really good wiccan author her name is Deborah lip um she i saw her present this definition of consecrations in a an incredibly well-spoken way um that resonated with me because i'm again i'm very metaphorical i love talking in analogies i love relating to i, I love relating to reality in that way so skipping minor details um for the sake of time she described consecration as having the whatever item that you're consecrating is a stem cell you know it has zero identity but it has all the potential to do whatever you assign to it um consecration is injecting the stem cell with a purpose and with a cause and with a task so i will say and i didn't mention this before as you guys wouldn't know but I do definitely think there is a slight difference between charging, consecrating, and blessing something. Um, Yeah, and I'm not going to lie. I struggled with these three definitions for a long time. Um, So sticking to consecration, consecration is taking something that is going to serve you and assigning it that identity to have that capability to serve you. So... If you have something like, like let let's say that you are an absolute beginner and you have just come into this, and perhaps maybe this is the first episode you've ever heard on Witchcraft ever. Hey, um, thanks for listening. Hey, <laughs> um, so let's say that you really want to cleanse your home, and you know because it's literally everywhere that sage is really good for doing that. All right. My reservations aside from whether or not you had the cleanse sage. Um, is it would definitely help if you consecrate the sage. And what that means is you would go to your witchy shop or maybe it's not a witchy shop. You get, you get, you, you somehow acquire your sage. You go home. Okay. You are an absolute beginner. You don't have an altar set up. You don't have tools. You know, all you have is yourself and this bundle of sage and fire and And perhaps some salt and water. Yeah. Um, maybe some incense, you know, Hey, but, uh, Let's say you have none of this. Let's just say it's you and the sage. Let's let's go at incredibly bare bones as possible. So you know you went out and 
again, this kind of plays into one of the topics that we mentioned we may talk about, and I hope that we get to it, the Witch's Pyramid. We're um, get to it. Yes, we are. Um, we have to. So this plays into that. You went out with the intention of purchasing this, of acquiring this sage for a very specific purpose. Um, so you have the sage. You get home. You want to consecrate it. What's that mean? So the best way I could describe consecration with no tools is you would like to take your projective hand, which is the hand that you write with. You want to hold the sage. And one, there's eh, potentially optimally three steps. You want to remove it of any prior negative aspects. Yeet. You want to yeet it of <laughs> any, any prior negative aspects. Um, because all natural things, all elements, all elements have both good and bad, quote unquote, elements to them. All elements know are themselves. They don't know what makes it good. They don't know what makes it bad. You want to make sure that if something is of an element, i.e. sage, you know, sage is primarily an earth element, but the way that it is used in this context is both earth and air and also fire. Um, so you want to make sure that these elemental aspects have all things that do not serve you removed from them. Um, so the first thing that you would do is remove, you would remove that. And you can use any words that you would like. You can say something along the lines of, you know, I banish all aspects of this item that do not serve me. The next thing that you would like to do is you want to assign it a role. You want to say... You know, I assign this sage, I consecrate this sage, I empower this sage with the authority to cleanse all negativity from my home. Or some Christ compels you. Christ. <laughs> you know, something, it, it does not have to be specific. And I think beginners really need to remember that. It, the wording, power can be, words can be powerful, but if you're, the intention is the most powerful part. Um, so after you've done this with the sage and you've given it a role, you want to enact it immediately. You want to go ahead and use the sage in your home. You don't, feathers are nice. There's an elemental aspect that plays into using feathers to disperse the smoke as it were, which trying to keep it to beginners you don't need to. Um, so you have this consecrated sage. This sage now knows that its sole purpose is to cleanse your home because that is a role that you gave it. As long as your intentions are sincere and as long as your intentions are very clear and concise, things are going to listen to you. Energy knows energy. Energy will always play with other energies. And you have got to know how to sail these energies and maneuver these energies. And if you can do that, it's fine. Um, I'm sure the last thing that I said before we completely tanked the last hour and a half was more eloquent. But that's my second go around and I'm hoping I did it fairly well. You want to transition to the witch again? Yeah. So as Ashley had said... Um, Wait, can I ask you a fun off-topic question? Yeah. <laughs> so you and Sassafras are going by Arlie and Sassafras. Mm -hmm. Is it odd to be like, so Ashley and Arlie and Sassafras are just, you know, yeeting themselves in this conversation? 
So that kind of goes into the topic of how names and how names are used and why. I know that in this podcast, Ashley is your name. I don't care if your name is Bob. Wow. Like yeah so you know but i know that identifying through this podcast you're actually i hone in on that knowing how powerful names can be and absolutely respect and honor that so in this moment as we're reporting recording a podcast you're nothing but ashley you know what i mean so so you're saying they haven't even seen me at my full wish potential dun 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 (laughs) this isn't even my final form this is this isn't even my final form. No. <laughs> but, you know, that's the interesting thing about witchcraft and having a witch name is it is an identity. And as Ashley, you know, I'm, I don't know, a 20-something-year-old millennial with a podcast, working as a researcher. I have two cats and I have a master's degree. But as my insert witch name here... <laughs> I'm probably very different in circle. I don't present as the same person. Um, And I actually talked a little bit about this, how it's almost like a persona or a different personality where I'm not the same person in circle as I am as Ashley. And I think that's a common thing for people when they're in circle. It's, and that's intentional. You know, it's, I'm not saying that, so I, I wanted to say that it is intentional that you are a different person in circle. And that's not taking away from any good thing that you are as a person outside of circle. It just means that sometimes these worlds don't mesh, you know? Yes. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, and it, again, it's not favoring one or the other. You know, you can't, how can you, how can you be a successful witch if your mundane life is crashing to shit? When you're in a circle, you're between the worlds, as one may say. Yep. And your alternative self may not be the same person that you are just on a normal mundane level, which is another reason why names may have power. Yeah, and it's a whole ass topic. It's a whole ass topic. And I mean, Woo! yeah, I mean, aside from the fact that the old archaic fucking magical systems talk about people and any anything that exists in this reality having a true name, not even going to get into that. But one of the things that mm, see, I'll 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 really quick. So in in, a, in another forum on Facebook that I manage um I actually just posted a thread uh, pre- very recently about craft names. And people have very differing opinions. Um, I had one person come in, and I'm not going to say they were hostile, but there was a tone. Um, and they were like, well, I don't, really f- I don't really see a need for it. I don't think that adds to your, your magic. It's like, it's like how putting on a black pointy hat and a, and a cloak doesn't give you more power and doesn't make you more of a witch. And I'm like, that's not what I'm asking. Anyway, anyway, that's, I'm, being, I'm being petty. There's, but, there's a there's a whole lot that I can say about that because this goes back to my Athame story. At first, when I had the Athame, I didn't know if it was necessarily necessary. The same thing kind of went for the craft names. I didn't know if a craft name was really necessary. I didn't really know, like, oh, I picked X, Y, and Z for my craft name. Like, eh, do I really care? And then once I finally had somebody refer to me not as that craft name, I was like, oh, I actually really mesh with this. I really fuck with this. It's, it's a very 
easy trigger to use to get into that mindset. And I mean, yeah, I mean, if Arlie were to be like, hey, and start crafting him here, I'd be like, yes, what do you, what do you need? <laughs> it's a very different trigger from like, hey, Ashley, I'd be like, hey, what? <laughs> like, right. And, I, and I'm, I'm trying to remember what was lost in that hour and a half. But I think I mentioned this. Oh, fuck. Maybe, I don't know. But I, yeah. Uncensored. It's fine. Yeah, so maybe I mentioned this in the podcast that was shared. Maybe I didn't. Um, But it goes back to, you know, if someone – and if I said this, please tell me. I don't remember. It's fine. So it's like if I had a close friend who was like my full name, like yada, 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 and I'm like, oh, my God, what, what, what do you want from me? Because, you know, as as a child, you know, not – Everyone may have gone through this, but I feel like a lot of us have. When your parents bust out your full name, you know it is serious. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and you have a completely different response to that. Whereas, you know, I have a name. Most names have an affectionate turn to uh, – an affectionate term for their full name. Um, their first name, I should say, at least. So I have a nickname because my name's very common. So my friends know me as my nickname. But when someone, and, and it has to be a very old friend or a relative, if they bust out my first name in its full context, I'm like, oh, shit, I identify with you in a different way than if you were a better friend and use this affectionate term for my full name, my first name. Fuck, I guess. So oh, that, that that's so funny, actually, because so – <laughs> this isn't out of your name or anything, but my name is Ashley. And I like when people refer to me as Ashley. When I was a kid and people would say Ash, for some reason that like put a stick up my ass. And I was like, don't fucking call me Ash. Even though I loved Pokemon. And I remember <laughs> the first time I watched Pokemon, I was like, mom, there's the main character's name is Ash. But it's actually Ashley because the first yep. Pokemon episode I watched is like a day where he was like a cross-dresser. Don't ask me. <laughs> and, I, and he went by Ashley in the episode. Anyway, my point is I don't like when people call me Ash, but if it's somebody I'm very, very close to and they call me Ash, I'm like, oh, that's endearing. But if I just meet somebody and they're like, hey, Ash, I'm just like, go fuck yourself. And so for myself and Arlie, we actually have the flipped mm-hmm. version of that. So it's interesting that you say that. Yeah. I mean, and and that kind of comes back to the concept of names hold so much power and also the the right and the trust that you give to someone using a certain form of your name or a name that maybe other people don't know. In example, craft names. Mine. They hold a certain power as it were over you. That's why I don't it's it's not that I don't share my craft name on this podcast for lack of, you know, wanting to be mysterious or anything like that. But it's what Arlie is saying. I don't share my craft name on this podcast because I only like it being referred to in specific settings. And coming onto this podcast, you know, seeking witchcraft, like I'm Ashley talking about witchcraft and Wicca. But my craft name is something different. It's a different aspect of myself. I'm coming about this with a very academic sense and it it is just a very interesting topic sass for us do you have anything you want to sure add to this it's kind of funny how we've kind of come full circle and we're back to craft names circles oh my yes uh as for myself my i I, i'm using you know the name sassafras here that's my craft name the the main reason for that is because my name is 
rare. My name is uncommon. Uh, and so I do this because I don't necessarily want to bring my standard life into, into this stuff. I want this stuff to be its own unique, isolated thing. Uh, for my own sake, because, you know, I, I'm, I'm a private person. Uh, but, you know, kind of going back to the power of names and the, you know, spoken names, um, my actual name is very, very often mispronounced. Uh, it's pronounced as something else, or I'm, I'm just flat out called a very common name, which is not, you know, tied in at all with my actual name, but they kind of sound a certain a certain way. And so people just say, Oh, you know, they more or less says, Oh, Christopher, you know? And it's just like, Oh, Christian. And it's just like, as if that's my name. Well, no, I've, my name has been mispronounced like my entire life to the point where fucking same. My last name. Oh, well you're well, anyway, we're not going to go there. (sighs) I'm in that club. It's all I'm saying. Yeah. It's funny. Everyone is going to have ultimately their own, take on their craft name or their lack of craft name or how they view their own individual name being used and in different contexts so that's what i have to say about that so and okay so you know me using strictly orally for the purposes of this podcast that says a lot about how I identify my craft name, meaning my craft name is not only just used for these specific circles that I, that I find myself in in my tradition and in my craft, but in things relating specifically to that area of my life, I retain that name because I would like to... I'm not saying that I have split personality or like anything of that nature, but I would like to, the energy that I have given to that name and how it identifies with that person that I am in circle and in that tradition, I want to tap into that as much as possible when I'm in a situation like a podcast that discusses nothing but this topic. It helps me hone in on this aspect of myself and not be distracted. If I were to use my mundane name, that bitch crazy. You know, like <laughs> yeah, she, you know, she's not really gonna have that. Yeah, th- yeah. like you know, she's not going to. I I feel like I'm crazy saying this, but I put a lot of energy into different aspects of myself because I realize that I prioritize different areas of my life in different ways. So if you approach me and you're like, oh my God, Arlie, I'm immediately going to shift into you know, my witch self and what I'm going to be focused on in your presence is that witch self. You could almost... You could almost say that using that name with me consecrates me to the purpose of talking about things specifically relating to witchcraft. Like, if you speak to me using that name, that name is consecrated to be committed to the topic of this area. Whereas my mundane name is not consecrated. It can go in any other direction in my life that is not this. It also goes into a trigger. So, for example... This is not Arlie's name, but I'm using it for the sake of this discussion. If her name, let's say, was Mary, Mary Sue, if I were to be like, hey, Mary Sue, how you feeling about the gods today? She'd probably be like, oh, 
they're fine, you know, they're with me, whatever. But if I were to be like, hey, Ara Lee, how are you feeling about those gods today? It's a whole nother topic. I would immediately start, like, being in a space where I, like, download god stuff. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> it, it would it's yeah, it's, it's a different reaction. It evokes different responses in me. Absolutely. And... As I said, that's part of the reason I don't use my craft name. The biggest one is because I only like it being used in a circle context. But it's a different side of me, as you will. And it's crazy how much it influences your life. Like how different Ashley is from insert craft name here. I mean, Arlie and Sassafras are my HP and HPS. They might be able to agree with me or maybe disagree with me. Arlie shaking her head. Yes. (laughs) I don't know. Yeah. It's just a different personality and it's crazy to think of how much it influences this this all goes back to the witchy mindset that we had been talking about previously um so so yeah um i don't know witch's pyramid do we want to okay if we're gonna all right all right we're gonna launch into the witch's pyramid which will be the final topic of the night and we're gonna wrap it up with that Uncensored. Why not? Why not? What? Yeah. Hey, hey, hey. Hey, hey. Wow. If that broke, I would have fucking cried. It would have been. It would have been. It would have been amazing. And I would have just been. In the podcast. It would have been in the podcast. Let me tell you where it came from first. He okay. knows the history. I know All right, the Sassafras. So the Witch's Pyramid uh, originated in, or rather, Eliphas Levi describes it in Transcendental Magic. It's why is this important for beginners? Practice and ritual, and it Some was known as the, it was known as the Four Powers of the Sphinx. Look it up if you're brand new. Look it up. Use hey, your use your dedu- deductive powers. He's to looking find at it. me very aggressively right now. We have seekers that have come to us that are incredibly knowledgeable and seek out this scholarly stuff. And that's damn. And that's Sassafras's forte, as it were. So he, I love that he brings the the dynamic of the history of it. So, yeah. I'm just saying, like, if you want to know where a thing came from and you want to know more about it in that context, that's fine. However, it has kind of moved on it hasn't stayed there the witch's pyramid is to okay it's so 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 the particular wine that we've 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 delved into we. in this moment we everyone is drinking this particular <laughs> wine um it 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 seems to be ashley may not care for the flavor I a whole lot like it. I know, I know, I know. It's a very valley girl. Way. It's the good. I don't care, guys. I'm just reminding you. This is a very uncensored episode. We're just drinking wine and shooting the shit. Sassafras made some special wine that has herbs in it. Herbs that you can buy from the store that no. are legal. That are legal, and so it's just a it's a herbally infused when, wine. When and witches drink wine. It gets weird. <laughs> yeah, so when witches drink wine, it gets weird. It's a it's a it's a legal wine. It's nothing like that but when you drink it like the herbs can get caught in your mouth so we're just making mostly me making funny noises of <laughs> because 
because when you drink the wine, it gets stuck in your mouth. So you kind of have to chew it. <laughs> so every time I do that, I just look at sassafras. Like, how dare you put these herbs in my wine? Then now I have to eat them. Um, you gotta chew your wine. <laughs> that's essentially what I'm doing. I'm chewing my wine. Before we got to the witch's pyramid, I just want to say, I hope you guys are enjoying this very uncensored. It's like hanging out with us. This is what you can expect <laughs> from hanging out with us. So Yes, and I, I do have a lot of people who hit up the podcast page saying that they feel like they're talking to a friend, which, oh my gosh, guys, it's so nice. Thank you so much. But I really hope that if you're listening to this fucking long ass episode, yes. that you do feel like you're hanging out with us. So anyway, I'm sorry. I'm going to give this back to Sassafras of why I chew my wine. <laughs> You know, I've I've come to really appreciate the chewing aspect of this wine. I I I I, enjoying the herbs. I'm just like (laughs) (laughs) fucking sound effects. Anyway, anyway, anyway. So 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 you know what? What are the four? What what are the what are the four sides of the witch's pyramid? You were asking them. Wrong witch. I'm uh, well. Well, Arlie is the OG. The first. The first thing. Well, I'm not. I look. No, the only thing I'm giving him is go look it up if you want. That's Early, it. That's all I'm giving him. Right. This is so people. People are listening to the episode and they're going to be saying to themselves, "This is what it's like to hang out with them." They sound so tired. They sound so tired. They sound exasperated. They sound. <clears throat> so the four sides are to know, to will, to dare, and to where, keep silent. Where does this come from? How can a beginner even? If you think about, think about magic total as a subject, not necessarily exclusively to witchcraft, but let's let let's face it. If you're doing witchcraft, you're doing magic. We're ta- we're going to go there. We're talking about that. Take these as sort of very root words. You d- don't add more words. More words doesn't help you here. What is it again? To know. To will. To dare. To dare. And to keep silent. So why would you keep silent? Maybe we should just go through all four of there's, aspects. Well, there's, there's a saying which says that power... Are you done smoking your cigarette? I have a million bucks out there. Holy fuck. Arlie is back. Ta-da. Wow, we're getting real ratchet. I'm sorry, guys. (laughs) Look. Anyway. So. So to know to will to dare dare to be silent. And and to keep silent. That's, yep. And to chew your wine. And the most difficult of that is the keep silent silent part. Okay, you know what, though? I will. people like to run their mouths because they got to be, I'm not going to say that. So I will say, actually, I think, <laughs> ironically, for one of my for myself, the easiest yet the hardest thing to do is to keep silent. Yes. Which you get so excited about your spells. Yes, you get so excited about your spells that you just want to talk to everybody about them, but then at the same time, you don't want to talk to anybody about it. It's it's mm. it's very strange. So, all right, y'all, I have opinions and thoughts about this thing. So, first of all, I am so excited to talk about this because the Witch's what Pyramid. Time? I don't know how to work a phone. <laughs> Sorry, guys. This is no surprise, but I record this off of my phone, and I have to check the time real quick. Again, this is uncensored. Okay. I have an Android I just, I just need to make sure that we're not going over the 
time limit again because right. that was awful. We talked a very long time yes, without actually recording. <laughs> so again, special edition, uncensored. Love you guys. If you're still listening, you're the real OG. Here's Arlie. All right. So yeah all right so how do i even start this i am so excited to talk about the witch's pyramid because it is one of those essential things to have in your toolbox of working magic it is insane um so the witch's pyramid sometimes also referred to as the magician's pyramid which i believe is older than the term the witch's pyramid uh, yes, it is a whole ass oh, topic, so Ashley. You are it's correct. Like a fucking Shrek and Donkey with the onions. So that's witchcraft. The witch's pyramid is a fundamental understanding Sweet. that will absolutely supplement your magic. Um, because this podcast is geared towards you know beginners and those who are starting out, I will stick to the context of this in how it affects your magic and how it affects spell work and things of that nature um so the witch's pyramid um i love it because as if y'all had heard me in a previous podcast you may have learned that i was an elemental witch before i became gardenarian um and again this the obvious disclaimer which always slinks its way into every episode this is not reflective of the gardenarian community or tradition this is me yeah this yeah anything everything everything anything said here is not a gardenarian standpoint it just so happens i happen to be a gardenarian high priestess talking about witchcraft anyway so what the hell is the witch's pyramid all right it is four concepts and they go in this specific order it is to know to will to dare and to be silent what the hell does that mean so these things align very closely and very significantly to the four elements. To know is air. <clears throat> Excuse me. To will is fire. To dare is water, which if you're from Maryland like myself, I would like to say water. So if you hear me say, if you hear me say water, I am actually saying water. out your state? I have before. I have not out of my state. Well, now you know. Um, I'm, I priestess from Maryland, but who knows about Ashley? We could be recording this anywhere. <laughs> anyway, so and then anyway. and, and then to be silent is earth. So what does that mean? All right, so let's let's look at this in an elemental perspective first. Le. All right, so air is the element of thought and mental clarity and all things that represent the concept of brainstorming something all things manifest first in your brain all things manifest there because you've got to think something to know something or want something or manifest something or a combination i can you can absolutely fucking literally yeah um oh god arlie says yes she's the hps i'm gonna go with her opinion um so, and then you have, you go to the south and you go to Will. Will, willpower is the essence of the fire element. It is that thing in your gut that drives you. When you truly, truly want something, you can feel it burning in the center of yourself. 
think back to the last time that you really, really wanted something and you and you and you burned and you went for it and you did everything in your power to get it. That is that fi- that is that fiery will. Your desires burned you. <laughs> um the next would be West, which is water, which is to dare. If you have ever gone to the ocean and for those who are in a landlocked state and they have never seen the ocean i am so sorry but i'm hoping that maybe you have seen a lake or you have seen some body of water that has evoked this feeling inside of you if you have ever gone to an ocean and i will always use an ocean as an example because of where i live on the east coast if you've ever gone to the ocean and you sit there and you have the the wind blowing over the ocean and over the waves in a completely different way than the way that the winds interact with the land around you and the trees or a meadow or a valley and you had that very specific wind that travels over the water and you sit there and you hear it and it evokes something very deep in you and it pulls you to be incredibly emotional. And it pulls you outside of yourself to think about things or feel things that you wouldn't normally think or feel if you weren't in this environment. That is what is beckoning you to dare. It is beckoning you to pull yourself out of your head. And it is beckoning you to pull yourself out of your ego to do something that is incredibly scary it makes you want to tread these waters and makes you want to go out and just surf these tides and experience these ebbs and flows because you want something so bad you're willing to do whatever it takes then you have the fourth and final element and the fourth and final aspect of the witch's pyramid, which is to be silent. To be silent is an earth element. I'm not going to lie. It took me years to understand what this means, and I will use my example, and I hope that you guys can relate to this. So if you're in an area where you can walk in the woods, and if you're not, if you've ever walked in nature to get away from things, if you've ever gone for a walk in your local park or in your local wildlife refuge or your local state park, anywhere that is beyond the hustle and bustle of day-to-day life, especially if you're in a city. If you find yourself wanting to retreat to this natural, quiet area where it's just nature and you, I will never forget this one day that Sassafras and I went to a local trail as it were in our area and i remember we ventured farther and farther and further into the woods and the further that we went the more i found myself using a hushed voice because something about the environment that we were in where it was so secluded from humanity and it was so secluded from that hustle and bustle i previously described it makes you almost want to whisper and once we got to a certain part in the woods where you knew it was not often touched by humanity, you had this urge within yourself to be quiet. And I had never experienced that 
And I, you know, Sassafras is talking to me and I just, I can't say anything. I just want to be quiet. I don't like silence. I hate silence. I need music or I need a fan blowing. I need some kind of noise. So for me to be in this environment where I just need, I, I had this overwhelming need for silence was the first time I truly understood what that was. And that was 2017. I've been practicing witchcraft since 2001. So, yeah, exactly. Um, and that's just that, that's just brushing on the elemental associations of this pyramid. You know, and it's very interesting because when this idea was first introduced to me, I remember telling Arlie, uh, I said, why is Earth, for example, so silent? Because to me, Earth was one of the noisiest things out there because – you know, you go out into the wilderness and you can hear the crickets and you can hear the birds and you can hear the stream, streams and you can hear the leaves blowing in the earth or in the wind. And it wasn't until she said, like, well, when you're in those moments, you are just quiet. You're just silent because you're listening to all this happen and it's something within yourself. And I was like, oh, <laughs> and that was one of my like, oh, shit moments. I will say also, um, and this is this is probably jumping ahead a little bit, but I think it's relevant to say. So another one of our initiates, um, another one of recovery members, she, I, I had this this phone conversation with her, and you know, whenever we whenever we talk about things that are fantastical or things that sound crazy, you know, when you do spiritual stuff for a long time, and when you do magic, and when you really venture into the meat of all of this. You go through some crazy shit. Give yourself a little bit of credit. You, yeah, you start to think you're fucking insane. A little bit of lenience. Right. Um, be nice to yourself. Yeah, and so, I, so one of our initiates um, called me one day, and she was talking to me about the spell she had done. Um, or it was either a spell she had, spell she had performed, or it was an experience. She, it, it was something woo wooey, as it were, quote unquote, which is now trademarked. Um, <laughs> but I remember she had asked me, you know, what the whole to be silent thing was, and I told her, I'm like, look, here's the thing, and I'm not, I'm not selling covens, but just I told her, I'm like, look, here's the thing. When you talk about the incredibly personal, and I mean shit that touches your soul, crazy, whack-ass spiritual experiences that you have, you know, if you openly talk about it to people who are not on your level or people who are not in the mental caliber to understand where you're coming from, you're going to pick up very quickly that they're not going to take you seriously. And that subtracts from that experience. You know, it truly takes away from the lessons that the universe and or the gods and or your higher self is trying to tell you and deliver to you and give you. It's one of those reasons why to be silent is a, is a whole thing. However, I will say that being in a coven, and I told her this as she was part of a coven, I'm like, look, that all being said, the purpose of having a coven, one of one of the many is if there's anybody that you're going to express this kind of thing to, it's us. Because we have given you a psycho-spiritual experience. You know, we have exposed you to crazy things and you've trusted us to do so. And if there's anyone you're going to talk to about this, it's us. So <clears throat> anyway, that's a whole aside. Um, so going back into how the Witch's Pyramid affects your magic. All right. So let's start from scratch. 
So let's say that you got word that your friend's mom might have a debilitating mental issue. And you absolutely know that you want to do whatever you can as someone who has an interest in magic, who has a fundamental understanding of magic, you want to help them. You feel beyond yourself this overwhelming need to help them. <laughs> yes. I just felt the need. <laughs> um all right. So you so you know your friend tells you the news and you feel compelled. You know that you have the resources available to you. You have the ability. You want to do magic for them. You want to do something for them. You want to do a spell for them. Spells work in four steps. These four steps relate directly back to the witch's pyramid. The first step is to know. You know that you want to do magic. You know that you want to perform a spell. All of the academic or mental energy that goes into performing a spell, like writing down the steps or reading over the steps that you have previously laid down for yourself, you know, doing the academic homework and the mundane homework that it takes to know what you're going to do in a spell slash ritual to enact your desire. All right. Fun fact, fun side note about to know. Once you know that you want to do a spell, the spell has already begun. True. And I, yeah, and I'm, I mean. You can say that also about your journey onto the witchcraft world. Yep. You are so well onto your journey before you even realize that you actually are. Which sounds mystical as shit, but it's true. So is witchcraft. Mystical as shit. So the next step would be. To will. All right. So you're moving into the aspect of fire. And as I explained before, fire is your willpower. Side note about fire. I I can safely say in my personal experience, being an elemental witch before I was a gardenarian and also working with the witch's pyramid in magic for all the areas I dip my feet in, this is the most important part of all of this. Your will is the fire you light in your ass to do magic, to do anything. This fiery aspect of the pyramid and also of the human existence is what makes things real. What does fire feed from? Air. You've got to have a plentiful enough amount of air, scientifically, for fire to ignite. All right? So you have got to have this mental picture you have got to have done your homework. You have got to have done your... Yeah, fuck. Uh, wine. Um, but yeah, you have, if you've done your homework, if you know, if you know what you want and you know the things that you want to work with, you can give that life by progressing to the next element and the next step of this pyramid by willing. All right? This is fire. Fire can only feed off of what you are willing it, i.e. what you're feeding it with oxygen in a scientific fashion. That willpower is enacted by you gathering your supplies, you setting up a date, 
you know, you literally putting your plans to action. You are giving yourself, you've looked at the moon phase, you have utilized all the tools around you, regardless of your position, regardless of how new you are to this. It doesn't matter. If your will is set on it, that's the main tool that you need. That will also ties into my previous conversation about consecration. If your will is there, that thing that you're consecrating will be consecrated. Um, so lighting a fire under your ass, make sure it's lit. So moving on to the next aspect of the witch's pyramid and also the next aspect of the elements is to dare. To dare is the water element. All right. So you've gotten your resources and your information and you have gotten all of your ducks in a row as it were, and you're putting these plans into motion. So what does it mean to dare? So you have all of these things on your altar, you know, you have, you have figured out that Tuesday night's a full moon in Gemini and that will help you with your, your purpose and you are standing in front of your altar with your tools and you are ready. And especially if you're a beginner, this might be very scary. This might be your first spell. Water enacts you to dare because if you go to the ocean, the ocean is terrifying. You know, it is turbulent. It is incredibly reliant on the winds around it. And if the winds are incredible, you're going to have a choppy ocean. You're going to have a choppy sea. You're going to have resistance in the tides. You know, it is, there is something about the ocean that makes us want to run out to it, but it is always dangerous because of the tide. Um, daring and actually doing the magic with the resources and the mentality that you have collected is that element. That is the purest element of water. The last and final element being one that I kind of skipped ahead before and talked about was you've done your spell. Now shut the fuck up. True. Do not talk about it. It is said that if you talk about a working that you do, it takes energy away from it. Why do they say that? If you talk about something before as manifested, you are drawing upon a well that has not been filled yet. You cannot draw water from a well that has not gotten its potential yet. You cannot talk about a thing that hasn't happened yet. You have got to wait for it to manifest. And whereas you personally, as the person doing this, put the power into it, you are still feeding it power until it manifests. You can't draw from it before then. You've got to see it all the way through. Also, if you lay your seed down and you walk away from it, you are giving that same faith and power to whatever. This goes back into this, this, this is the very full circle conversation where it's like, hey, if you pray, you're giving up your will to a higher source. If you're a religious witch, i.e. a Wiccan, you are giving your power over to the gods, but not until you have given the work to them to manifest your will. If you've given them all of your man, all of your manpower, Christ, if you've given them all of your willpower and all of your tools and resources and you've done the work, they will then take that and manifest it to your will and send it back to you in the form of what you want. And there's many other ways of identifying how your work gets recycled back to you. But again, you cannot draw 
on a well that has not been filled yet. Give it time to fill up. Exactly. (laughs) So thank you, Arlie, for that really in-depth conversation and explanation into the witch's pyramid. Cool. Well, we have definitely talked for a long time, longer than this. what this episode is actually going to show because there's probably at least, what, like at least an hour maybe where we were just talking, not realizing it wasn't recording, which sucks. (laughs) That really sucks. Well, we did give the Cliff Notes version. We pretty much talked about everything that was not covered. So any final parting words, Sassafras or Arlie? Anyone? Bueller, Bueller. Blessed be. <laughs> Blessed eat. Blessed it be. is not that hard to become a witch, but it does take work to stay a witch. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. It, that could be a whole, yeah, it whole is, topic. It is very easy to do what we do. It is very easy to prize a witchcraft, but if you want the fullest extent of what it can offer you, you've got to do the work. And as you can see, there are a lot of layers of witchcraft. And the deeper that you get with this and the more you practice, the deeper it gets and the more significant those layers become. And not just the layers you're currently facing, but the ones you may have tossed out to the side that you didn't realize were anything important. And I know that sounds very odd, but it's very, very true. So yeah, so that is it. Thank you guys so much for listening to our uncensored you know, special edition, our a super night. long, our wine night podcast. Thanks for drinking wine with us. <laughs> Thank you to Sass, Russ, and Arlie who joined me for tonight's podcast. I hope you guys all enjoyed it. As always, you can follow me on my socials. Please let me know what you thought about this two-hour-long episode. You can tweet me at Seek Witchcraft or hit me up on Facebook. I have a like page that's called Seeking Witchcraft or my Instagram, which is my, my Instagram. Instagram? <laughs> wow. My Instagram, which Instagram is Seeking Witchcraft or you, shit, send me an email, guys, which is seekingwitchcraft at gmail.com. So thank you guys again so much for coming on. Thank you guys for those who listen and I will talk to you guys all soon. Thanks. Goodbye.